0: You know, digital is a topic, of course, everyone is discussing these days, especially within community banking. We've seen digital transformation become one of the top priorities and something that came out of the survey as being something that keeps our CEOs up at night.
1: There has been incredible change in mass culture around investing. Accessibility has never been higher.
0: What's top of mind for every client is the incredibly challenging times that we're going through right now. Work is on trial. Every business has had to adapt the way that they work and how they work over the last two years. We know employee experience is something we need to focus on, but where do we even begin? Banking is a risk
1: business, but in today's environment, we are being faced with uncertain times. Financial institutions have always had partners who could help evaluate, address, and mitigate risk. But today, they need to lean on those partners more than ever. Welcome to Bank on Whitfley. Each episode will feature discussions around industry issues, hot topics, and current trends, giving you an insider's look at how top performers and professionals are staying ahead of the curve. All right, let's get into today's conversation.
0: Welcome everyone, today's guest is Joe Cortese, partner at Fiducian Advisors. Joe, thank you for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We're excited to have you discuss the move towards outsourcing for wealth management firms, something that many are considering in today's marketplace. We know from our work with clients that this can be a major strategic matter for some leadership teams. Joe, with your background, you have experience with this, to begin, would you provide our listeners some information about you and your role at Fiducian?
1: Sure, happy to. Thanks for the opportunity. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm a partner with Fiducian Advisors. I've been with the firm about 15 years. Um, I started my career in the private wealth management side of the business. Um, and and so I've got a lot of experience there. And then uh, through time, um, um, one of the things that we did as a firm is we would, we would um, have, uh, other firms approach us. This happened very organically at the beginning, you know, nearly uh, 25 years ago uh, prior to my time at the firm. But we had other advisors approach us organically because they they knew us from sitting on a board that we were working with or being a trustee um, and or just hearing about us through the industry. And And they would ask us for help on the investment due diligence side. Um, as it relates to, you know, implementing things in their own businesses. And, and so we kind of did what we could to to, to meet the needs of those types of clients. Um, and, and that's kind of how the practice was born organically. And then, as I said, I started in the private wealth management group <clears throat> and um, concurrent with working, I did an MBA at the University of Chicago booth, got very deep into the technical investment side of things, which, which lent itself well to working with these advisor clients, these these other advisory firms and financial advisors, because the conversations tend to be a bit more technically focused, technical focused as opposed to the higher level conversations you have with end with clients. So over time, I, uh, I, I did more and more work in this space. Uh, and then about seven years ago, um, we kind of took a step back and looked at it and said, hey, we've got a dozen different engagements like this now where we're working with other advisory firms. Um, we're you know, we're doing a little bit different things, some similar things and a little bit different things for for all of these advisory firms. And you know we may we may have something here. It may be worth formalizing and turning into a business unit. and so we we did that about seven years ago. So I think a lot of folks in the industry think that this trend toward outsourcing is new and and it, and it is relatively new just in terms of the acceleration and the interest. but the 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 long-winded story that I just, uh, conveyed was to to point out that this you know we've been doing this work for you know 25 years now in various capacities and it's something that's taken place in the industry for a very long time. It's just in the last you know five to seven years has it really been top of mind for um, many advisory firms and business owners and in in, in in the industry.
0: Yeah, I I like hearing how it organically grew, Joe. You know why in today's market. Are wealth management firms turning to outsourced solutions? You mentioned, you know, you've been doing it a long time, but why specifically today is it something firms are considering?
1: Uh, yeah, there are a few different main reasons. I think the easiest ones to understand are just it's just the structural backdrop of you know the the economy and markets in generally and and the business, right? So we're all facing cost pressures as a result of recent inflation. Then business leaders look to find other ways to, to re- alleviate some of those cost pressures and become more efficient. And then outsourcing becomes a potential lever that that folks can utilize to uh, streamline their business from a cost standpoint. So, that, so that's a big one, just the structural background um, of what's happening in the industry. Things like fee compression, of course, um, also play plays into it. Um, and then there's notion that um, it's become apparent that at least some portion of the ongoing investment due diligence and monitoring that firms have to do you know that's really become a commodity uh, because because end clients they don't see that work um you know they see the portfolio that their advisor has built for them they see the investments that are in that portfolio they hire the advisor to do the due diligence work to make sure that you know, the investments are performing the way that they should, and if not, to change them out and to manage the portfolio on an ongoing basis. But again, they don't know enough about the details to have a lot of input in that process. And so the basic ongoing sort of blocking and tackling the initial and the ongoing investment due diligence, monitoring, evaluation, those sorts of things that have to take place, um, don't really impact the client And on direct basis they obviously the client indirectly they do the client sees what's in the portfolio and those things as i just explained but but so so advisory firms have kind of uh figured out or or come to the conclusion that because at least that portion of what they do is largely commoditized in the mind of the end client it's ripe for an outsourcing or a more efficient solution because they still have to do the work they still have to monitor the investments on an ongoing basis, produce act the actual documentation that they need to retain in their files um, in order to demonstrate if and when the regulators come in and you know do an audit, start asking questions about what's your investment process, how, is your process documented, are you following your process, show me the evidence, the reports that you're creating to, do- to evidence and document that you are following the process that you've set out. All of that needs to take place and all of it is, is is essentially a commodity at this point. And so firms can hire other firms that have the resources to do this very efficiently um, and, and and meet the needs that they have uh, without having to build all of those internal uh, or, or build out all those capabilities internally, which is very expensive and, and very hard to manage.
0: Well, that makes sense, especially in the tight job market or talent market we have today. And certainly if something's commoditized and you can have someone do it better, uh, makes complete sense. Joe, I want to turn to, for our listeners to understand, what are some of the major functions that advisory firms are outsourcing today? You mentioned the investment research and due diligence. Uh, Anything else or any other kind of commentary on
1: that? Yeah, sure. I mean, the the interesting thing is, and I think we all probably know this, it's just that there's been a an entire ecosystem of third party vendors uh, that has that has really developed uh, within the wealth management industry. a lot of it fintech technology related uh, over the last you know five years ish or even longer. Um, and so advisory firms they can they can really outsource, you know uh, you can essentially do all of the business where where the advisor would retain the sort of relationship management function. And we work with some firms that, that do this, think about sort of like firms that are more financial planning focused versus investment focused, um, doing a lot of tax returns and things like that, but then also provide investment solutions to their clients. Um, uh, and, and in many cases, these firms don't have the ability to do any of that work uh, and, and, outs- and can outsource all of that um, in terms of portfolio construction, asset allocation, investment research and due diligence, Even the, um, you know, sort of the supporting content and sort of marketing pieces that that firms need, like, you know, you you think about a a standard monthly commentary that firms need to have, or a more in-depth quarterly economic and market report that goes along with the reports that are sent to clients to evidence performance of portfolios, all of that can be outsourced today. And then even beyond that, things like, you know, trading and portfolio implementation can be outsourced, performance reporting. Can be outsourced. Uh, compliance, a huge, and very important function of advisory, of the advisory business, can can be out, largely outsourced. So really, advisors have the the opportunity to look across the landscape and pick and choose tools to build an ecosystem of of outside providers to really optimize their business. And what it does is it allows them to spend their time on the things that are the most value add for their business and and the things which they're best at doing. And in in many cases, that's maintaining the relationships with the clients that they have today and, and being able to spend more time with those clients and also freeing up additional time to pursue new opportunities, new prospective clients. Um, and that's a very important part as well. So um, so the firms that we see that grow the fastest tend to have a nice mix of, who well, they tend to know what they do well and, and know it very well, and they implement those things. And that's often a sort of a smaller um, overall proportion of what they do, and then they outsource the rest to various third-party vendors. They really optimize those relationships. And those are the firms that we see grow the fastest in the industry.
0: Well, that certainly makes sense, allowing firms to focus on what is important, putting the client at the center, obviously, and really playing up to their strengths, outsourcing potentially their weaknesses or things that they're, they're not necessarily focused on. When you think about these benefits, that the firm's going to receive from implementing outsourced uh, services, maybe such as investment research and due diligence. Can you kind of talk about what you've seen with your clients there, Joe?
1: Sure. Um, You know, working with a firm like ours and others, it provides that instant institutional access. So firms that are smaller, and, and most firms are in that sort of category, the, the wealth management business is still a very, very fragmented business with, you know, depending on the surveys that you look at, upwards of 15,000 advisory firms in this country, with only 10% or so having more than a billion dollars in assets under management or assets under advisement. So so the vast majority of firms are still small, in many cases, you know, couple advisor lifestyle type practices. Um, And it's pretty easy to understand that that type of a profile, that type of a firm just simply does not have access to the resources to do, you know, global investment research and build globally diversified portfolios across different asset classes like fixed income and equities and real assets and alternatives. And then you think about, you know, even beyond that, the true alternatives like hedge fund strategies and private equity or private credit, those sorts of things. Um, you know if if you're an advisor with a, a couple billion or less, you, you just simply don't have the resources to to build up build out that type of an infrastructure to cover all of those things. So you can partner with a firm like ours and others that, as I said, give you that instant institutional access. You know, we have the resources to cover the global landscape of both public and private markets. And then, in addition, zeroing in on the uh, private markets, um that is an is an extremely hard area to access in terms of um gaining exposure to top quartile managers that don't exist on the technology platforms that are out there like icapital and case and and others in many cases you know those firms require very large initial allocations to, to, to partner and you know you're talking 10 million of a minimum investment or 25 or even 50. now that that Capacity can be sliced and diced into lower, smaller bite sizes for end clients, but, but still, you know, it, you're talking, you know, significant commitments to any one independent boot, boutique, niche, private, private markets manager. And again, you just simply can't access those things unless you have the size and the scale. So, you know, finding a partner to provide that institutional access, I think, is the is the most important benefit because then it, it opens up those solutions to end clients. And they would not otherwise have access to those solutions, and so you know, we can deliver better outcomes um, working with firms versus firms that, you know, smaller firms that try to go it alone. Um, so I think that's very important. And then, and then again, just from the business side of things, um, being able to optimize the business and and spend the time uh, where it's of highest and greatest value add to the firm, and then and then outsourcing the other functions. Um, just allows firms to uh, to operate most efficiently and most effectively.
0: You know, Joe, I can I can talk about that in our own experience. You know, we are often the outsourced solution on accounting or CFO work for many firms, so it does make sense. How how do you want to spend your time, and who do you want to spend it with? Usually, your clients. To that end, Joe, through all of this, what do firms' clients think about advisors? outsourcing some or all of this investment oversight function or or some of these services you're talking about?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, um, and there's a few different ways to look at it. I mean, firstly, in many cases, when we're working with firms, they not they may not even sort of advertise, quote unquote, that, that they're working with us, um, and we can play a behind the, the scenes type of a role, uh, and so if you think about it in that way, uh, we're just another vendor. Um, that 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 firms are using, just like they use outside software for you know reporting or or outside software for trading. Clients really don't ask about the, you know the de- the details for those sorts of things, or really even care about it as long as they're you know uh, as long as their advisors delivering um, the, the the results that they expect. Um, so so in that case, you know we can be behind. You know advisors can utilize resources that are just behind the scenes. Um, but but in other cases, it it, it does make sense to um, at least talk about having an an outsourced or or, or a research partner um, in the client discussion. But and I would say clients today are more sophisticated than they were five or ten or fifteen or even you know twenty years ago when I started my career. Many clients know enough to kind of do the mental calculus, like okay, my, the advisor that I'm working with, you know couple billion dollars. We have a great relationship. He knows me and my family very well. Um, you know, he or she has uh, all of the information to build and me the solutions that I need. But if I look at the firm, I see that they're just not big enough again to cl- to cover the global landscape of all the things that are going into my portfolio and all the solutions that we're using on on my behalf. Many clients know enough today to kind of do that. Um, exercise in their in their minds. And so in those scenarios, in, in, the, in that case, when the advisor can say, hey, yeah, we're, we're your advisor, but we also have this research partner behind us that has you know 40 analysts that do investment research and access to private markets and all of those sorts of things. When it's part of the conversation in that respect, it can be very helpful. It gives clients comfort that while the person that they're working with, you know, may not be part of the largest firms that are out there. They still have the same resources, the same capabilities, the same access that some of the largest firms do because they've partnered uh, with a provider that can that can provide all of those things. So it's sort of a range of conversation and discussion depending on what makes the most sense. Um, but oftentimes it's perceived in the client's mind as a as an important value add just to, again, give them comfort that their advisor has the resources that they need behind them to implement a globally diversified portfolio and and do all the things that need to be done in that regard.
0: That makes sense. You've been been in this uh, area for a long time, and so some of our listeners might be wondering, what are some pitfalls that I should avoid in choosing a partner? How does a firm pick the right partner, Joe?
1: Yeah, great question. I think the first and most important thing comes down to philosophical alignment. I think we all know you can look at the investment landscape and there's infinite ways to build portfolios uh, in terms of, you know, how you're going to construct them, asset classes that 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 you're using in the portfolios, how you're then going to implement the investment different structures like mutual funds, ETFs, separate there's just there's infinite ways to do all of this. So, there has to be some philosophical alignment up front. To ensure that you at least sort of with your with your research partner, you view the world of investments in a similar manner. And what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example, you know, our our firm, we're long-term strategic asset allocators. We're long-term focused, strategic oriented. We shift portfolios along the way, but we're not super active. We're not trading on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. Uh, we're not trading based on you know S&P 500 hitting a particular level and then we're gonna we're gonna move things around we we take a long-term strategic approach so if you're a firm that wants to be highly tactical that wants to trade daily, weekly, monthly—like those sorts of things—move in and out of asset classes at a rapid rate. Like we would not be a good fit; we would not work together because of our long-term strategic orientation. So, I think first and foremost, it's finding firms that philosophically view the world of investments, view portfolio construction in a relatively similar fashion. I say you have—we have to be at least fifty percent aligned in how we're going to do this in order for it to work out um, uh, uh, from from the outset there. And then there's a couple of other things to, to think about too. There are firms out there that have databases, um, and we think about that sort of like the library model, where you, you get access to a database, um, but then you, the firm, your people, have to go into the database, sort of understand, uh, you know, how, what's in there, how you're going to, you know, kind of start at the top of the funnel in terms of whatever it is you're doing. Narrow it down to the things that you're going to take take serious consideration to and then do the work to ultimately finalize, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, call it investment manager you're going to go with or something like that. Um, so that's sort of the the database or library model on one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is um, what, the way we think about it is sort of research research boutiques. So these tend to be firms where you've got a couple folks, two or three CFAs. They don't have end clients themselves. But they they provide research back office research services to to other firms. Those are sort of the two ends of the spectrum. Um, and when firms are looking at uh, you know potential providers, they need to be thoughtful about where they want to be along that continuum. Do they do they want or need the database model? Maybe they've got multiple offices across the country that are doing you know sort of they 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 have more latitude in terms of what advisors can do and what they how they can build portfolios and different investment options that they can use. That's a that's probably better suited to a database model versus another firm that, you know, is very efficient in terms of implementation. They use, you know, 10 models and the same investments in every portfolio, those sorts of things that that may lend itself to a a more sort of research boutique type of a solution. We like to think about ourselves as kind of sitting in the middle of that. And what I mean by that is uh, we have, you know, we have all the muscle on the database and the, uh, and, the, and the library model side in order to, again, cover the landscape of globally diversified options. But then we also integrate very closely with the firms that we work with, sort of a true extension of staff model. And we have end clients, too. So we, know, we have a practical, pragmatic lens that we put to all of this because some as we all know some things can look really attractive on paper but then when you try to implement them in a client portfolio it doesn't doesn't work out so well um, and and so we also have a pragmatic lens and overlay that we take to all of this but um so so when when firms are looking at outsourcing and thinking about it you know they, they just need to be thoughtful about is there philosophical alignment What type of an outsourced model are they looking for, a database model or a strictly research partner or an extension of staff model, those sorts of things. And then there's also the relationship part of all of this. I mean, you obviously just want to be able to work well with your partner and that makes things just go easier and and more smoothly. And so being thoughtful about those other more qualitative dynamics are important, too.
0: Joe, I like what you said about alignment. I think that is absolutely critical for any trusted partnership or outsourced solution. I think you provided some good insights if someone is thinking about moving to um, a vendor. You know, as we close, do you have any final thoughts?
1: I would just say, you know, it's clear that this trend toward outsourcing isn't going anywhere. And in fact, it's it's been accelerating over the last few years Um, so there are certainly a proliferation of options in the marketplace to choose from if anybody's interested in discussing that in more detail happy to be a resource there Uh, you know you can find me on LinkedIn um, or you can visit our website www.fiducian.com and we would be happy to have a conversation
0: great thank you Joe And to our listeners, thank you for allowing us to share some ideas with you. As always, reach out to Joe or us with any questions or comments. We look forward to hearing from you, and we certainly look forward to having you listen to our next podcast. Today, we discussed outsourcing solutions for wealth management firms and some of the considerations leadership should have. First, why? The need in today's market with fee compression, due diligence and monitoring considerations, as well as talent. Uh, all are driving teams to consider outsourcing. This includes services such as compliance, marketing content, and even quarterly market reports to evidence performance. Outsource solutions tend to work best for those functions that don't directly interface with the client and are those functions that are becoming more commoditized. Hiring other firms as third-party vendors may be more efficient without adding talent pressure to your own organization. It also provides, as Joe mentioned, that instant institutional knowledge in areas that your firm may not have. Finally, firms that perform best tend to stay focused on what they do best and outsource the rest to trusted partners. Consider outsourcing as a key strategy in today's market.
1: You've been listening to Bank on witfully Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and tune into the next episode as we feature insights from other leaders in the financial industry and even more ways you can stay ahead of the curve.